Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. It's Yalarocks episode 14 and today it's all about the Saeed. Hey there, Tiffany here, and I wanted to share something that you may not know about me. Not only am I the person behind the Belly Dance Bundle doing all of the things that that requires, but I'm also Sahra's partner over at Journey Through Egypt. She brings the knowledge, and I bring the tech know-how and run the online portion of things. So basically, I'm a total nerd for history and culture. As if you hadn't figured that out already if you've been listening to these episodes. Today, Sahra joins us to get nerdy about the Said. For those of you who don't know, it's a region of Egypt and where the dance that you've heard of, Saidi, hails from. Saidi means of the Said. Don't worry though, by the end of the podcast, you'll know a lot more about this region. And if you are interested in learning even more, Sahara is going to be giving two lectures on this region during the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle, so you can check out those and the 21 other courses next week when we go on sale. That's right, one week from today, our sale starts. How did we even make it this far? So stay tuned to have your curiosity piqued about this amazing region of Egypt. dancers and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host Tiffany and joining us today for one of our belly dance bundle minis is a dancer who has lived in Egypt for six years as the dancer at the Meridian Heliopolis. She has been traveling to Egypt to research at least once a year for the past 30 years and you guessed it, she's also the creator of Journey Through Egypt Sahar Kent, also known as Sahar Saida. Sahar, how are you? How are you doing tonight? It's been a long night. We, we just came <laughs> to a live event for the Journey Through Egypt Archive, so we're just marathoning it today. Yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. So just as a disclaimer to all of our listeners, I do work at Journey Through Egypt with Sahar. I am the person who runs the kind of online portion of all of the things. So if you've goodness. wondered, you know, hey, there's also a Tiffany that works over at JTE. That's me. Hello. <laughs> I'm here. Um, But I wanted to let you guys know that before we jumped into the interview, just as a matter of course. But honestly, working with Sahara is one of my favorite things to do. Thank you. She's so great. She's so awesome. And you guys, if you haven't heard of her, you haven't taken a class with her, you're going to need to fix that. Just saying. So we're going to hop in here. Um, Sahara, before we start talking about the Said, which is where we're going with our discussion tonight, let the people know how did you find this dance form? How did you kind of get into all of this? Uh What is the moment that unbeknownst to you when it happened was the one that was going to lead you to where you are now? There was a lot of moments that at the moment was unbeknownst. It's amazing when I look back how this all happened, but 
I was um, a dancer first. I was ballet. And uh, one hour on toe shoes told me I'm going to change. And so then I went to jazz and um, uh, like musical theater kind of um, dancing. And my father was into musical theater, so there was plenty of dance teachers we had available. Um, once I got in, and I started at five years old, but once I got into, um, I have my AA degree in modern dance, uh, Martha Graham style. And I tried out for Martha Graham's uh, two, uh, yeah, group a couple times and didn't make it. And at that point in time, uh, here in California, we're rather close to Las Vegas. And it was at the time that Vegas was, you know, starting to put on these huge, huge, huge shows. And um, I, I was tall and I was a soloist in the dance department. So they were trying to recruit me. And I actually went one time and talked to dancers, like, do I even want to think about this? And basically, oh, it's fun and exciting. But basically, they all said, but you're going to feel old, tired and worn out by, you know, 30. And I'm just like, I don't need that. So I gave up dancing and went into um, first geology. That didn't work, but went into uh, cultural anthropology and archaeology. So I have my degree in that. And at the end of that, while I was working in archaeology pit, um, dirty, and I need to stretch all the time, and I just decided I need dancing for me. And um, I don't have to do it in front of anybody. I just need to do it for my own mental and physical and emotional health. And so as I was walking around um, the dance department, I heard this intriguing music. I finally went in. It turned out to be a belly dance class. It was Om Kalsum, and I was hooked, and I saw the movement, and it was so soft and flowing and all the different things that I wanted to do, but I wasn't allowed by these different kinds of dance. Um, you know, genres that I was in already. So anyway, I, I felt like it was, I was already um, made for this kind of dancing. So being an oriental dancer, um, I went into it immediately. It was really fun. I loved it. But once I started dancing for immigrant populations, the cultural anthropology brain started taking over and I wanted to know who are these people and where did it come from and all these connections. And of course I would dance at their weddings and all this kind of stuff and stay and do dub key all night and all this kind of stuff. So um, I was interested in the folklore of the different populations as well. Um, where I, where I am, there wasn't as many as Egyptians as they were in like Lebanese and Palestinian and Jordanian. So I knew those, folklore is better than the stage folklores of Egypt. And one of those moments, um, I was in a show and then the Komeya, a couple Komeya people took over the show, which I was really glad of because I was finished with ideas for choreography at that moment. So it turned into an Egyptian folklore company. So that was great. That was one of those moments. Um, I also, uh, fantasized in my head that someday I was going to meet and take lessons with Farida Fahmi, who I had seen on videos. And um, really a really long story short, but then I went to UCLA for my master's and she's sitting right next to me. So um, that was another moment that was meant to be. How could it 
I mean, what's the chances of that? So anyway, we went through UCLA together and um, eventually she, she kept telling me, you have to come to Egypt, you have to come to Egypt. Eventually I did. And I was going to be there for six weeks and I was, I was going to do all my uh, research for the Zepha paper for my master's in six weeks. I don't know what I was thinking, but anyway, somehow I got a job there and um, I stayed, well, six years, but my job was five years and 10 months, uh, continuous um, uh, what do you call it? contracts. So I have the longest running contract for a foreigner in a five-star hotel. So that feels really good. But while I was in that, I was, of course, interested. I mean, it's free to find me. So, of course, I'm interested in folklore. And I would try to, all the time, figure out ways to get folklore into my Oriental show. And um, once I quit the Oriental show, then I could come back and start doing research on the folklore. And it was because how the folklore is represented in Cairo is not always the way hardly ever, the way that the folklore is in its own real region. So that was an interesting thing to me too. It's like I had learned the Komea way to present each one of these regions. And then I learned the Reda way to present each one of these regions. And um, that's another story by itself. But anyway, once I got into Egypt, then I started watching... Um, other dancers, which was really cool because my show finished at 11, which is early in Egypt, and I could get change clothes and I could go see Fifi or uh, Mona Saeed or Soherzeki or, you know, and then um, then watch Ida Noor. And then, you know, of course, Lucy has a four o'clock show. So I could see a couple dancer, dances a night, dancers a night, and um, how they represented the folklore of different regions was interesting too. And then finally I was able to actually go into the region and see how they were really dancing themselves. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's really, it's interesting to me. I don't think I've ever met anyone, at least not consciously. I mean, maybe this happens to other people and they just don't share, like I just don't know the story. But with you, when you tell me kind of the events of your life, like the big pivotal moments of your life that have changed the way you do your research or that you started dancing or anything, it's always like the biggest coincidence that could possibly happen in that moment is the, what happened. Yeah. And got you to the next thing. I, I feel like I have been really, really lucky because I have absolutely no doubt that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Which is really a good feeling. Yeah. There's the in my life that I'm just like, I, I don't know what I know. I was supposed to be a dancer, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And then out of the blue crossroads happen. And I'm just like, well, I guess that's next that's because next. there's like the chances of that happening are like almost nothing. So you started to get into this next piece and like, so we're going to back up the train for people yeah. who maybe haven't taken journey through Egypt before. Yes. Yes. What is your, this, this theory of the tables? You talk about it a lot yeah. in Journey Through Egypt. So yeah. if people, you know, come take JTE1, please, 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 please. I think it's an essential part of anybody's dance education. Uh, and yeah. Like I have no qualms saying that at all. Um, 
So this theory is, it's a way that you've kind of developed to visualize the different types of dancing of a region and then how that region represents itself and then is represented elsewhere. So can you kind of, yes, you know, break it down for people who haven't taken JTE? Yeah. So we can move into, cause then we're going to break it. We're going to talk about the Said a little bit, but okay. this is, this is like knowledge that I think they need to have before we do the next part of this conversation. Okay. Well, I'll kind of start from a story because I was always fascinated with Egypt and I was also a dancer and on a stage at Cascades. Uh, if anybody's watched the Fez documentary, that was the next one after the Fez. So I was already in this position and then the Colmea came in. And I always wanted to learn how to dance Egyptian folklore. Like there is one folklore of Egypt or something that was. Anyway, so. You didn't Kumea, know what you didn't know yet. You, you didn't know. I didn't know. And so the Komea came in and they taught me um, a dance. And I'm thinking, like, you imagine it's a puzzle piece. I should have my puzzle. I actually have a puzzle with the logo of Journey Through Egypt on it, you know. But anyway, get a puzzle piece. And now I know Egyptian folklore. And then they teach me another dance. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's two different Egyptian folklore. And I'm trying to put them together, and these two puzzle pieces don't go together. And as they teach us more and more and more and more, then I'm trying to put together puzzle pieces that don't go together. Then I realize, or get taught, that there's different regions. And that really, the dances of Egypt are very region-specific. I mean, belly dance in Egypt, it's in Cairo. A little bit in Alexandria, but it's Cairo. And then, um, of course, Saidi dance is in the Said, and, you know, all these different things. Okay, so I can handle the regional now. Then I start thinking, okay, now I know. And then, okay, I'm learning Komeya, so I think I understand. Then I take classes with Farida, and she's calling... You know, there's a dance called Hagala. They both have one. They do it differently. There's a dance called Saidi. They both do it differently. You know, so it was really, really complicated. And it's like Farida was my, you know, my goddess or something out there. Um, and so finally, when I had to ask her that I'm really sorry, but Komea and Reda, they're, t they're different. But who's right? And she says, no, no, these are from, these are for stage. Reda technique, Komea technique, these are for stage. It's not how they really dance there. And I'm just like, you know, it's just like, what? And so then I went to my, uh, my dance ethnology teacher and said, I have got this existential problem right now. And this happened. And I have been studying for like, by now, 10, 12 years, something that doesn't exist, you know? So that was really, really hurtful, but I didn't tell Frida. And then <clears throat> my teacher said, every, just every, every culture has the right to represent itself on stage the way it wants to. It's not up for, for me to decide how they should represent them on, themselves on stage. It's up to them. And she says, and that's very informational. You'll see what they leave out, what they keep in, what they change a little bit, you know? She says, it's very informational. 
And she says, but if it's really important to you to understand where, uh, you know, how the real people dance, the home style people dance, then maybe that's your work. Go there and study it if you can't find it any other way. So once I went in there with my anthropological mind, part of anthropology is understanding their categories, not putting them through my filter, but understanding their categories. And like they have a very strong division between um, family girls who love to dance and dance very well and professional dancers. It's two different categories. We can be flexible on it. You can, you know, grow up to, you never thought of being a dancer. Nobody in your family ever thought of being, about being an entertainer. And then you love it and you start, you know, taking classes. This is also different. And you might have a family that are going, you're spending a lot of money on this. You know, are you going to be a teacher? Are you going to perform? What are you going to do with it? Egypt would never ask that question. You know, it's kind of like, you're not thinking about doing this outside the home, are you? So it's a very, it's a very, two different categories. Then there's also the category of the Sakafa. And these, this is like a government um, folklore um, company. Um, you can go there, you can play music, you can learn to dance, this kind of thing. And they understand the stage principles of like Red and Komea, but it's like the Sakafa for Luxor is Luxor people and their audience is Luxor people. And so it retains a lot of the original flavor. Um, so that's a different category. And people will be, they don't confuse these categories at all. And then if you go up to Cairo, there's also Reda and Komea and Cairo media with the TV and belly dancers, having backup dancers. So there's a lot of different categories. And for each one of these categories, then I imagined each one had its own puzzle. And like the category of who are the professional dancers of Luxor? This is like um, a puzzle, jigsaw puzzle by itself. So there's a lot of different pieces. And maybe we don't know, we know some family like Banat Mazen really well, or Ma'al uh, Kanawi really well, but we don't know the other ones and we don't know the offshoots of those families. So there'll be some parts of the puzzle that are well put together and other places that are empty. So since I had this in my mind, it was a puzzle kind of on a card table. And so I presented it that way. I have given it a lot of thought, like what's a better academic way of saying this? And as soon as I think of one, people go, what? And so I end up to the card tables and the puzzle pieces again. So I just say each one of these regions have these six tables and we have to, you know, look at each one of the six tables to see, you know, and even portions of the dances, but I don't want to get too complicated right now. <laughs> so I love, see, I actually really love the idea of the tables because to me, it's the simplest way to communicate a very complex idea. Yeah. Right. It's like, whenever you go and watch like a YouTube video of a dance from Egypt, right? 
it might not look like the things you're seeing in the golden age movies or in Cairo modern cinema or in what you saw at your belly dance studio down the street and like trying to solve what almost feels like a cognitive dissonance, right? Is like, how is this the same dance can be really difficult, but when you put them into these tables and you kind of break it out into these categorized groups, even though there, I'm sure there's, you know, gray areas everywhere because that, that's mm-hmm. how things go. But we like to have things kind of in boxes that make it easier for us to understand, even mm-hmm. if we then understand that those boxes can be right up a right. little bit here and there. So the reason I wanted you to get into that and explain that is because yeah. your contribution to the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle is directly related, I think, to this theory. So what you're going to be doing for the bundle this year, and I'm so excited that you came up with this idea. Me too. Me too. Is you're going to do a couple of talks based on the Saeed. So we're going to have a talk on like what is actually danced in the Saeed. And then we're going to have another talk on what those movements, what the Saeed kind of dance has been taken and turned into in Cairo and farther out. So we're basically going to be exploring the two. A lot of times we in JTE, we separate these two tables into like two groups of three. There's like the local Mm -hmm. view Mm -hmm. and then like the, the Cairo and beyond view. Like us dancing with us and us dancing like them. Two big differences. Yeah. Huge difference. And so each of the talks almost is one of those groups. And so it's the, the tables idea here is, is key and fundamental. And I think that everyone listening can take that and start kind of thinking about it when you are taking workshops from people, when you are watching videos, you know, when you're watching movies, when you're doing that research at home on this dance, you can kind of start to like peel back the layers mm, with nice. it. And, and so I think that that's an essential idea to communicate. So for listeners who are maybe newer dancers, mm-hmm. can you define what portion of Egypt is kind of known as the Said? Yes. And then what that dance kind of gives us a little summary, give us a teaser okay. of, of that. I want to have my map. Imagine this map. Well, okay, so it's, it's audio only, so it's okay that you don't have <laughs> Okay, good, good. Okay. Mental map of Egypt, everybody. Yeah, like, go in your imagine. side, your own head. And um, up at the top of our map is the Mediterranean. And then vertical on our map is the Nile, uh, the Nile Valley, the Nile River. Okay, so we have the Mediterranean, we have the Delta area, farmlands, rich farmlands and everything. And then we have Cairo. So south of Cairo is considered upper Egypt. Yeah. So south of Cairo through, you may know the city of Asut because you know the beautiful black dresses with the silver work. Those were originally from Asut. Then you continue on Luxor, with all the temples and the Valley of the Kings and Queens and all that, and then continue and um, uh, down to Aswan and the Aswan Dam. Um, in Aswan, then there's a mix of both Saidi people and of Nubian, but it's a really large area between Cairo and fading into the area of Aswan. It's the largest, actually, the largest populated region in Egypt. So um, it's a big area. So that's where it is, south of Cairo. 
And then what, what are the kind of dances that we see in the Said? What are some of the dances we're seeing done from the Said in Cairo in our dance here outside of Egypt? Okay, yes. So one of the things that people like to, to do at weddings is have parties with dancing. And in the old days, they used to often have performers like Gawazi performers like Banat Mazen. Um, they don't do that so much anymore. Um, usually the women have their own women's party and the men have their men's party. So I'm going to go with the men's party right now. So maybe they have several nights of uh, celebration for the wedding. Um, so one night might be a, a Mizmar band with Tatib. And Tatib is the martial arts fight right? So the family, they have like running competition of the Tatib. And another night they have um, dancing with the Asaya. So maybe they would have a Rababa band. And um, so all night they would dance with Asaya. And um, then another night they might have Kafafa. And Kaf, it means the, the palm of the hand. It means clapping. And so the whole dance has clapping and also they know a set repertoire of movement um, and one person leads it. That person usually is in the middle. So he will lead into the next movement. So there's clapping and movement that the men do all, um, all together. In the old days when things were still more open and uh, the the weddings were more private, then women could also dance freestyle in front of this line of men called the kafafin. So um, now they don't do so much because if there's any men in, in the party that are not their immediate family, then they won't dance. So um, anyway, so that's just three right there. One is dancing with sticks. Another one is doing tatib that's not really a dance, but it's um, an entertainment with music. And kafafa, oh my goodness, there's so many. And then if you get over to the women's style, the women also have their, their home style dance that you rarely see. This is another thing. Some people think that it's not Saidi dance unless you're dancing with a stick. Women don't dance with sticks in the Said. I know they know how because I've seen little girls dance with sticks, but once they get to, um, you know, once they start growing up, then they, you know, they want to do, you know, womanly things. So then they have their own style of dance for that. Also, they tend to dance indoors. And so you really, and the Asaya in the Said is, almost as tall as a man, if not more. And so that would really be <laughs> rather easy trying to dance with an Asai inside of a house. So um, they have their own styles. Okay, so that's what is home style in the Said. Then you get to entertainment and then you would start also including the Gawazi dancers. Then you go over to the Sakafa in the Sakafa they have these kind of dances um, made into choreographies. Um, they also have, they have a kafafa with a line of men and they have a couple of women dancing freestyle in front of them. It's a choreography, but it looks 
like the freestyle. And that's what's so cool is that the Sakafa, they represent the real homestyle culture, but on stage so people can watch. So this has really been, been fun to see the Sakafa. Um, they also have, in Luxor, they actually, in the Sakafa, they have a whirling dervish um, dance. It's Tanura, but it has the original Mevlevi dervish kind of plain clothes. And halfway through it, they take off the turban and it's long hair. And all three dancers were women. And so that really surprised me. So the Sakafa can do some really pretty interesting things. And so you can already see, like, as she goes through just just like the surface level of dances she can just pop off the top of her head that from the Said, how varied it is and how different it is from what you were probably thinking of as Saidi dance which is you know we see a lot with the sparkly canes and the mm -hmm. the spinning and the all the things that have come out of it once it leaves the Said region yeah and so this like this is why i'm so excited about these yeah. talks because diving into the weeds on this i think is <laughs> is so great and so informative for people so we're gonna leave the deep dive on all of that for those lectures i have to tease you guys into it somehow right <laughs> we can go on and on and on i saw her will sit here and talk to me for hours about oh, this yeah. if i let her <laughs> oh, we've yes. done it before we will do it again Yes. But today is supposed to be a mini episode. So what are some pretty standard, I'm going to say accents, flavors that you see that transfer from homestyle Saidi all kind of the way through to Cairo and beyond? So something that when dancers are practicing at home and they're mm -hmm. working on their Saidi practice in their personal practice, like these are the things they should really kind of be paying attention to, to make sure that they're keeping that, that little accent in there while they're working okay. on it. For one thing, the men's style of, you know, how you step on one foot and kind of kick the other one up. That one, interestingly enough, and this is a huge area, um, the men do it throughout the Said, interestingly enough. Different cities will have a little bit of, like one might have more of a hop and the other one has more of a heel drop heavy into the earth. And so there might be some differences that way. But you can definitely keep that step in your repertoire. Um, one thing, it's a man's step, but it's public. And so this is strange because usually in the Said, women are private and men are public, but we are public people, and so we can do that step. So um, I know it seems crazy, but I'll go into it more later. But um, so that's one thing we can definitely keep. Um, another thing, once we go to Cairo, Cairo does have women's um, Asaya dances. And their Asaya is about waist high and it may or may not have a crook at the top. So one of the things you can do is have a fusion of Saidi and Cairo Asaya. Um, one of the best on this is Fifi Abdu. So when she's dancing, you can see Cairo style, which is basically holding um, whatever you want to call it, cane, stick, asaya. Um, in Egypt, they would call it asaya. So she would hold it and kind of do oriental dance underneath it or um, place it on the floor and kind of do like a shimmy walk around it or something like this. So this is Cairo style, 
but then you can go into the step kick and stuff. So it's very normal for stages in Cairo to do a fusion of the Saidi and the Cairo style stick dance. So that's just normal. That's what's done on stage. Because like in the Saeed, women don't dance with the stick unless they're in the Sakafa and then they can on stage. So it's a public dance rather than a male-female dance. I love informing your dance with the history and the culture. So you yes. know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, you know where it comes from. Because that gives you so many more options, I think, yeah. across the board. So everybody, when you go home, when you're practicing your Saidi dance, keep those things in mind that they're super authentic to different parts of Egypt, but still Egypt, which is great. And, and really trying to perfect those bits and pieces of your choreographies and of your dance. So Sahar, your contribution to the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle is going to be these amazing yeah. lectures on the Said, which will be done live after the bundle sale is all finalized. And if you're wondering when that is, everybody, it's October 16th to the 23rd. It is only available for that one week. So if you're interested in these lectures, make sure to hop over to the site and check it out. Click through some of Sahar's links and get over there to check out these amazing offers and everything that's on the table. Other than the bundle, though, Sahara. Where can people find your work? Where are you prolific on the internet? <laughs> on uh, Journey Through Egypt uh, website. And uh, we also have the archive there in the website that you can become a member of. And um, I've been taking video of different um, aspects of Egypt and folklore and that kind of thing in Egypt since like 1990, early 1990s. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And different media, the cameras kept going out of you know style and then I would have to get a new camera with new different kinds of video cassettes or whatever. Luckily I kept all of them. Everybody kept saying, well, you might as well throw it away. I kept them and um, Luckily, this wonderful woman over here, Tiffany, got came into my life. And I was thinking, well, I might have 50 of these things or something. And we found 300. I think it was 300? three. I oh, think my so. gosh. It was, a, it was a lot. We were both very surprised. when we I remember thinking. when we went over 200, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. So anyway, they've been digitized. And this is what I'm working on right now is taking pieces of these putting them into the archive, writing up a description of each one of them. And then during the week, then we have um, a question and answer reviewing whatever we put up in the, the previous month. And then also each month there's a watch party that we, that we watch some video from before. So anyway, it's really fun talking about, I didn't, I didn't have a clue how I was going to show this to people. And then luckily they uh, invented the internet and luckily they inter invented things like YouTube and you know, a way to get video across. So it's uh, again, one of those weird things that you prepare for something for about 20 years and then, or 30 years and boom, okay, now I know why I did that. So yeah, you could never have imagined, I don't think anybody could have really imagined what the internet would become. No. No. And allow, like allowing people to do all of this. So everybody use the internet, 
check out Sahra, check out the bundle, join us for these live lectures uh, after you buy the bundle, because you know you want to. Uh, and we will see you in the future for more episodes, I'm sure, because I work with Sahra, so I have the in. Yes, <laughs> I'm getting her yeah. over here onto the podcast. Thank you, Sahra, so much for spending. Uh, we're on two hours and 32 minutes of hanging out on the Zoom call together. <laughs> My favorite Tonight. subject. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And I hope everyone has a wonderful night. You can hear the passion when Sahar talks about this, can't you? She's been focusing her research into the Said lately, and she's just more than excited to be able to share this information with you here through Journey Through Egypt and through this year's bundle as well. And if you're wondering, Yes, this is the journey through Egypt that Nisa was referencing on her podcast, the course that helped create the spark that led her on her own research journey. Sahra's tables theory brings so much to any dancer's view of the world that I think it really allows people to be able to visualize what we're experiencing as we accumulate knowledge about this dance and the culture it hails from. I know I've personally seen so many dancers look like they've been drinking out of a fire hose after talking to Sahra, but in the best way possible. After processing this information, they always come back saying how it's changed their entire view of the dance. So I'm biased, but I'm still going to suggest finding a journey through Egypt near you to start taking if you haven't already. You can find links to that program and all of Sahra's favorite places to hang out on our show notes page at thebellydancebundle.com 14. And if there's not a JTE near you anytime soon, well, then you'll just have to make do with Sahra's lectures in the Belly Dance Bundle this year. Remember, the bundle goes on sale on Wednesday the 16th. That is exactly one week from today if you're listening at the time of release. I know she can't wait to share more information with you on the Said and really dive deep into some of the subjects we brought up today. She'll be talking more about how these dancers are done on the ground and also how these dances are translated in Cairo and then to the world at large. It's something you're not going to want to miss, so head over to thebellydancebundle.com to learn more about this year's bundle. As you've heard, we love to cover all aspects of a dance practice here on the podcast. So if you have any suggestions or questions on something you need help with, email me at hello at thebellydancebundle.com and let me know. We're here to help inspire your practice and to help you do it more consistently and effectively. Let's just say it's my mission. I want you to practice more because I know what it can do for your dance. Sometimes all you're missing are the tools. So if you've been enjoying the podcast, please subscribe anywhere the podcasts are found. And if you want to show that happiness, be sure to check out Sahra's contribution to the 21 Days of Belly Dance Challenge today. She'll be showing you a way that's common to show happiness in Egypt. See you over on Instagram at The Belly Dance Bundle.